to A Bit of Fun with Emily. It's me, your host, Emily. I am glad you're here. So this is the last week of season two where we're talking about 80s and 90s kids movies we grew up loving and sometimes fearing. You know, I I felt this way after season one. 20 episodes is a long time to stay in a theme. Uh, I have actually planned out seasons through about September of next year, but I've cut them down to no more than 10. Uh, I think just for my sanity and for your interest level, maybe 10 is a good number, but we're going to wrap up 80s and 90s kids movies this this week. I still had a lot of fun doing it. And I had kind of a weird, I didn't mean for it to end this way, but a bit of a theme going on this last week, a theme of, of deception, of conniving kids who put one over on unsuspecting gullible adults. So today we're talking about Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. And on Friday, we're going to end the season with one of my favorites, Camp Nowhere. Why is it one of my favorites? Because Christopher Lloyd is in it. But we'll talk about that later. Today, today is Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. But before we jump into our spoiler-filled recap, we of course have some lazy internet research to do. First off, the movie turned 30 this past June, which makes me feel old and I'm I am getting older. It's just how time works. Um, but I, I don't, I, there's no way I saw this one in the movie theater. I don't think at the age of nine, my parents would have taken me to see this, but I saw it fairly young. This is one that has um, been in my movie watching catalog for quite some time. It made over $25 million at the box office. Not too bad. I couldn't find what the budget was, uh, but it has become quite a cult classic. Uh, they, they, I was reading something and they, I don't think I put it in, in the lazy net internet research, but that there's a couple quotes from the movie. I did not remember them, but, uh, that they say is a part, a part of the pop culture lexicon. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if it gets talked about that much. It never, this movie never really comes up in conversations, but I still think it's lovely brilliant hilarious so Stephen Herrick was the director he also directed Disney's The Three Musketeers which is a brilliant movie Um, I do often quote that one The Mighty Ducks which of course we have talked about and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure among some other classics which is kind of fun the original script was written with Winona Ryder in mind for the role of Sue Ellen Crandall but she turned it down because she was working on Edward Scissorhands and Mermaids. And I recently watched Mermaids. We're just going to get off on the tangent. Because coming up between seasons two and three, I'm going to do a Bob Hoskins Appreciation Week. Because I do really adore Bob Hoskins. And I've already picked out the couple of movies that I'm going to talk about. But I had not seen Mermaids. How did, how did I miss that one? But I watched it. I loved it. He was lovely in the movie. Plus, it has Jake Ryan from 16 Candles, who is just ideal. Um, not in 16 Candles. One day we'll talk about it. It is one of my top five favorite movies of all time, and it is extremely problematic. John Hughes, it, we could say it was a different time, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> it's a rough watch these days. Uh, going back to the lazy internet research, in one of the earlier scripts drafts, the babysitter's death was supposed to be more of an elaborate part of the storyline. So the Crandall children were all suspects and they all had their reasons to kill her. Most of those scenes were cut or scaled down, but elements of their motives kind of remain in the final cut of the film. Walter, the youngest Crandall kid, um, having to do a book report. 
Melissa, kind of the tomboy girl who wants to play Little League during the summer, is forced to wear a dress. And Zach, who is just the pretty boy who's dating the girl next door, he's the romantic one. He loses his girlfriend, Cynthia. Keith Coogan was told he was too old to play 15-year-old Kenny. He's the second oldest of the Crandall kids. He was 20, a 22 months older than his co-star, Christina Applegate, which is kind of funny. Um, he came back to the audition in stoner apparel and a wig, and he got the part. The original title was The Real World. It was changed to avoid confusion with the MTV reality series The Real World that came out in 1992. Two pictures of kids are on Sue Ellen's desk at work. One picture of is of Melissa. She's the youngest daughter. And the same picture was used in Halloween for The Return of Michael Myers that came out in 1988. It's a very interesting fact. The second, This is the second movie starring Keith Coogan about a group of kids who are left with a babysitter. The first was, of course, The Adventures in Babysitting that came out in 1987 opposite Elizabeth Shue. Coincidentally, both films were rated PG-13 by the Motion Picture Association of America and contain more than one use of the F word in a non-sexual manner. You know, it is so interesting when you go back and watch 80s and 90s kids movies, what they were able to get away with at that time. The language, especially like Goonies, which holds a very, very special place in my heart. And But there's more language in there than you think. It's fascinating. Although the film is supposed to take place in summer of 1990, all the dates listed in calendar shown in the film correspond to dates in 1989. Additionally, the kids mention watching Super Password, which was not on television in the 90s, having been canceled the year before in 1989. And last piece of trivia, prior to Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, the house that the Crandall family lives in, found small screen fame portraying the supposed Eureka residents of the Lubbock family on the television series Just the Ten of Us, which debuted in 1988. It is still, I think I read somewhere, um, a private residence, and but it just a huge farmhouse that has like seven bedrooms in it, and they a lot of the scenes were actually filmed in the house and not on a sound studio. Very cool. So now let's just dive into the spoiler-filled walkthrough of the movie. Are you familiar with this one? Again, I don't hear about it too much. You either know it or have never heard about it before. <laughs> Which now that I think about it, that that's a very poor way of saying that. You you have either seen it and loved it or have never heard of it before. Because you've either heard of it or haven't heard of it. Well, yes, that's... Thank you, Sherlock. Uh, okay, so let's just get into the exposition and the conflict. So first we get Christina Applegate going by the name Swell, which confused me for a good part of the movie. Um, her real name is Sue Ellen. Is Swell a, a nickname for Sue Ellen? I had never heard that before. I just didn't understand how that that got there. But she's with her yuppie rich friends complaining that they have to go to Europe for the summer Swell can't afford to go, but that's cool because she's going to get a mom-free summer. Her mom is going to go off to Australia with her boyfriend. Single mom, tired mom, it's going to go off to Australia, and Swell will have the summer to herself with her siblings, but whatevs. She has no plans on watching her siblings. Then we get her mom. Seriously, I feel very sorry for this woman. She's trying to wrangle five juvenile delinquent kids. They're not delinquents. They're not bad kids. They just don't listen to her at all. And they completely take advantage of her. And 
don't appreciate her for what she does for the home. That's most teenagers, though, I guess. Um, Kenny is a would-be rock star. He's the second oldest. Melissa is a tomboy that likes to start fires. <laughs> that doesn't really come up again, but that's the first shot you get of her, which I think is interesting. Zach is a klepto pretty boy. He likes to steal money out of people's wallets. And Walter is the baby of the family. He never really leaves the house. He just likes to watch TV. And they live in a rundown house and have just little regard for any kind of instruction. Well, they think it's going to be a laid-back summer. But Mom goes and hires a babysitter who's a taskmaster who's intent on whipping the kids into shape. Interesting point, though. Mom never tells them about the babysitter up until the moment where the van comes to pick her up to take her to the airport. They all believe that they are going to be left alone without adult supervision. Swell did just graduate from high school, but... Yeah, it's not a good idea to live, leave your 17-year-old daughter in charge of your other four children. So I don't know why they thought there wouldn't be an adult there, but but why didn't the mom talk about it or introduce them beforehand? I've got some questions about mom. But the babysitter, she goes and dies the first night there of natural causes. They do not kill her. And this part of the movie just kind of ends there. There is no investigation, no follow-up, no hunting down her previous whereabouts, no asking how this woman, so they, the kids, they, they decide, well, we can't tell mom that the babysitter's dead, hence the title of the movie, because we still want that summer free from mom, because they just apparently don't really care for their mother, so they take this poor old lady who had said that she doesn't have any family, they put her in a trunk, and they leave her on the steps of the, the mortuary, the local mortuary, no one comes asking questions. They get away with it. They don't speak of it again until the very end of the movie when the mortuary dudes are putting flowers on the grave of this poor woman without a name, which is just really sad. But I, I just find it very hard to believe that any kind of authorities would not be trying to hunt down the nice woman who they might be able to tell died of natural causes but shouldn't have ended up on the mortuary steps in a trunk. Because they... Um, so their mom left money with the babysitter to get them through the summer, to buy groceries, a little spending money for the kids. They did not realize that the, the babysitter had put that on her person, hid it from the kids. And so when they drop her off at the mortuary, she has the money on her. So now because they've decided not to call mom, they're not quite sure what they're going to do for food and what to live off of. Um, so that's, there's your conflict. One, we've, we've met the, the exposition. We've met the family. It's these, this group of just kind of horrible children. <laughs> um, and then you've got the babysitter who has died, and now these kids have to fend for themselves for the summer. I also want to know what mom does for a living, because who can just take, is she a teacher? Maybe she's a teacher, because she can just take the summer off, um, which is, is interesting. I would like a job where I could take the summer off. I think I would like that. Maybe not. I mean, I, I really do enjoy my job, but a whole summer off would be kind of nice. I think I would get bored, though. So that, that's where we're at. The old lady is dead. She just gets dropped off in a mortuary. These kids need some money. So rising action. Swell gets a job at a fast food joint, but that only lasts a what one could assume is just a few days because she just bails. She can't take it. She does it very dramatically. Um, so 
Her bright idea is to forge a resume to get a receptionist job at a fashion company. It, of course, works because this is a movie, but instead of a receptionist, she ends up as an administrative assistant to the vice president of operations with zero qualifications. It just so happens that the lady who comes out to the desk to talk to her uh, is the vice president of operations. She likes Swell's style and the forged resume, hires her on the spot. You know, Swell's not in over her head at all. Question, in the 90s, did companies not ask for references or do any kind of a background check or ask for ID or social security numbers or to fill out any type of paperwork? The premise of this particular part of the movie just does not make any sense. How a teenager slipped through the cracks at this place of business. Again, it's a movie. I know, I know. I think you're always probably just saying that, Emily, it's a movie. (laughs) If all of these things worked out, there would be no conflict. Get over it. So we get to know a few characters at our new job. There's Carolyn, the jilted receptionist with a really bad attitude. Her boyfriend, Bruce, who's played by David Duchovny, who likes to slick back his hair. Rose Lindsay, Swell's new boss, who seems to be terribly unobservant. Um, And Kathy, the pushover who works in another office that really likes spreadsheets. She is a woman of my own heart. Um, And I start to think, Swell goes in this very confident is a little worried that she might get caught, but not really. She knows she's in over her head, but she's like, whatevs, they're going to give me a paycheck. This is something I could not do. Um, you will never see me playing poker. I have zero poker faces. <laughs> I cannot, I cannot lie. I'm not good at it. I just, my conscience would just be going haywire and I would just blurt out that I was 17 right on the spot. Um, I would be a nervous wreck all the time. How swell is just not filled completely with anxiety, I don't know. I would have been a horrible teenager in a movie because I would have been exactly what I'm talking about. I would have ended the conflict immediately um, and there would be no movie. Meanwhile, Swell starts dating Brian. He was the delivery guy she met at the fast food joint who awkwardly ends up being Carolyn, the snotty receptionist's brother. So now Swell has to kind of keep her two lives very separate. Sue Ellen at work and Swell at home. Um, And she dips her fingers into the petty cash box to help float the family with groceries until her first payday. She's like, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm not stealing. I'm just borrowing. I'm going to give this money back. Uh, Let's see. The rest of the rising action. Kenny, the stoner oldest brother, really gets into watching Julia Child on TV and attempts to cook for the family. He gets really into waffles. Klepto Zach steals some money from Swell's purse one morning. Walter sees him, and then he also steals some money. And again, this is the petty cash money. Swell turns into her mother and starts to resent the children. Carolyn starts to sabotage Swell at work. Walter uses the petty cash he stole to buy a new entertainment system and then falls off the roof trying to fix the antenna, breaking his leg. And then the family starts to work together to pull off a coup. So... It turns out that Swell is not working for like a high fashion company. She's working for a company that makes uniforms. And this big project that Rose Lindsay is working on is to um, get some school superintendents to agree to have kids wear uniforms in school. Swell doesn't think this is going to work because teenagers like to show their their um, uniqueness through clothing. That's how they kind of get their identity. Their personality comes out. Um that ends up being the truth. 
It gets voted down. Rose Lindsay thinks this is it. But then Swell has this great idea. You know, what if we change how uniforms look, make them more fashionable, <laughs> which is apparently very subjective because what she comes up with, I do not think is fashionable at all. And I could never see anybody wearing these uniforms in reality. Um, and so she says, you know what, we'll have a, a gala, gala, however you say that word. And since they, she, Rosalind, she's like, we'll use the petty cash to put it together for this presentation that they're going to give all of these investors. Um, and because there is no petty cash money, because Swell's family has stolen all of it, she's like, well, we'll have it at my house. Swell's like, we'll have it at my house. It'll be fine. Um, so the kids start to work together to clean up this rundown farmhouse uh, and to absolutely redo the pool. I mean, they get a lot done in about a week's time, maybe even less than that, and they get the house looking great. But they start working together as a family. And the kids pull it off. The house looks great. This is We're now at the climax of the story, this big gala gala, however you say it. Carolyn and Bruce discover that Swell is only 17, and they plan on letting Rose Lindsay know at the big event. But she doesn't buy it at first because Rose really, Rose Lindsay really loves Swell, Sue Ellen. Swell's friends back from Europe serve as models wearing the most ridiculous uniforms that you could ever imagine. Most of them include orange tights over like neon pink, which I don't think works anywhere at any time in history. Um, and then, of course, lovesick Brian comes. He's in his delivery truck um, for his fast food and he's on the intercom, you know, confessing his love to, to Sue Ellen. Uh, and then mom shows back up from Australia to crash the party. So all of their hard work kind of comes crashing down around them or so we think, which leads us to the resolution. Swell confesses in front of all of her important guests that she is just a teenager that, and just graduated from high school Mom is impressed at the state of the house and how cleaned up her kids are, but overall doesn't seem too startled by the scene she walks into. I mean, she's a little upset because they think she thinks the kids are having a party, but if you had taken any 30 seconds to kind of look at the party, you would know it's not a high school rager. Everybody's in tuxedos and there's caterers. So I don't know what she thought was going on. Swell quits her job and decides to go to college and nothing else is mentioned about the petty cash. Absolutely zero consequences for lying to the company. No giving Kathy who's been doing spreadsheets and um, kind of all the work behind the scenes her due. Rose Lindsay's like, I love you kid. Let's do lunch. There's no consequences for Swell who's like, yeah, I think I'm just going to, I quit. I think I'm going to go to college. I'm not ready for this job. Oh, and Kenny decides to actually go to class in the fall and is thinking maybe a culinary school. And we don't get any follow-up information on the other kids who played such a little part in the movie that you kind of wonder why they were there. Um, but so it goes. That, that tends to happen. The end. So that is Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter Said. Life lessons. Um, hmm. Teens are resilient. They're intelligent, inventive creatures. The fact that they did manage to survive a summer together without any real adult supervision is pretty impressive. Um, sometimes you're far more capable 
than you give yourself credit for. You see this with Sue Ellen, who does step up, um, takes on a job she's never had a job before, is able to care for the family. You also see it for Kenny, the stoner guy, who kind of realized, you know, I can't be the stoner kid forever. I'm going to have to get out and do something with my life. So he cuts his hair at the end of the movie and becomes, you know, a totally different person. Uh, don't steal petty cash. Just don't do it. You're going to like that anxiety is going to be there all the time. You're going to get caught. It's no good. It is stealing. It's embezzlement. Um, don't put a dead old lady in a trunk and leave her at the morgue, which you would think that's a life lesson. But again, there are zero consequences for anything that these kids do this summer. So maybe the life lesson is just assume no one will look, which is horrible. Uh, but I think the big one, the big takeaway for me is um, hold on to your childhood because adulting is rough. They immediately appreciate everything that their mother does for them. The keeping the house, the putting food on the table. Um, they realize that that they don't appreciate her as much as they should um, and that she's been caring for them very well for so long and they've been giving her a hard time and they also I think start to take pride in the home a little bit more too at the beginning of the movie it looks like they're hoarders it just I mean I know a messy house with five kids single mom is probably inevitable and that's totally cool nobody says your house has to be spotless all the time but the amount of newspapers who is reading all of these newspapers they have newspapers just stacked on the front porch going up the staircase inside of the house uh, I just don't know where all these newspapers are coming from who's reading it I, I don't see how the mom had time to read it it just it seems like a waste of money she could have saved some money and quit the paper, and then that would have given her a lot more floor space everywhere. So that's <laughs> that's the life lessons. Final wrap up: character recasting. Um, I I think the only character that really bothered me in the movie is the woman who played Caroline, Carolyn, the receptionist who just has a grudge, and she has a grudge against Sue Ellen because she had applied for the administrative assistant position, and then got nobody liked her because she has a really bad attitude except for slicked hair David Duchovny named Bruce, um, who apparently is okay being around her. Um, she, that actress, and I, something about this role I didn't care for. I don't know if it would be any better with anybody else, though. So uh, I guess it's fine. It's really fun, too, to see the, the guy who plays, uh, what was his name? Hold on. Um, the guy who plays... Brian, the boyfriend, he was on, um, oh my goodness, the good wife, the good wife. He was, he was the, the lawyer that she ends up really falling in love with who I think spoiler ends up dying. Um, <laughs> but it's fun going back into the eighties and nineties movies and seeing well-known actors, um, as adults, as opposed to kids, because he was, he was kind of dorky. It was a little surprising. They make Sue Ellen kind of like this high fashion. Um, she, like I said, she's with all these friends who have a lot of money that go off to Europe for the summer. So kind of the popular girl and Brian just seems the antithesis of that. Um, so it's, it's, it was interesting to me that they actually got together. Does this or did this need a sequel? It did not get one as far as I know. 
as far as I know, it did not. Um, I don't think it needs a sequel. I, unless, I don't know what the sequel would be. If mom leaves again and another babysitter dies, then they're kind of serial killers, are they not? So I, I think this one is a good one and done. Rewatchability. This is not one I put on all the time, but it is every few years I like to put it on because I do think it's fun. Um, it's just, it's a cute movie with some recognizable faces. And it just also makes me appreciate one, my mother, who I, I do so much appreciate my mother and my father for everything they've done for me, but also just like how hard adulting is and you see teens struggle at it and you're like, yeah, this is hard. Staying alive is hard. Um, <laughs> but what do you think of Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead? Have you seen it? Do you enjoy it? Is this one of your favorites or is it one you just kind of come back to like me from time to time because you find it enjoyable? But that is it for today. Thank you so much for listening, really. It is so appreciated. Thank you for sticking around this season. Um, we've got one more to go and then I'm going to take a little bit of a break again. But I will be hopping in for a Bob Hoskins Appreciation Week. And then season three is going to be movie musicals, which I'm really excited about. It's just going to be 10 episodes. I'm going to have um, another guest on with me to talk about superlatives. And I'm going to do it a little different. So I'm really looking forward to getting into a new topic. Musicals are one of my favorite things ever. Uh, I have watched many of them many a time. So I'm happy and excited to talk about that. If you've got the time, it would be awesome if you could rate and review the podcast. I Again, I just thank you so much for listening. It's It floors me that anybody would take the time. Um, I'm just here doing this because it makes me happy and it gives me something fun to do. But the fact that people are actually listening is just pretty awesome. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at at GnomeGirlM and on Facebook is A Bit of Fun with Emily. Hey, go have yourself a bit of fun today and I will see you next time.